So this is the sermon the Lord laid on my heart this morning. I remember there was a great newspaper article that said uh, yes to a young lady. What was the girl's name? Anybody remember? Yes, Virginia. There is an America. Well, yes, Virginia, and yes, people around the world, there is a, there is a Christmas. And I'd like to make sure folks are hearing that in a special way this morning. Every year around Thanksgiving, atheists and secular progressive go into emotional hyperventilation. It's Christmas. And they feel like their head is spinning and it's going to blow up. So they attempt to ban public expressions of anything that proclaims the true meaning of Christmas. They'll settle for Santa Claus. They'll settle for candy canes. But real Jesus? Eh. And you know the routine. No nativity scenes uh, in the public square. No Christmas carols in school programs. A ban on using the phrase, Merry Christmas. What's with you people? I mean, how can words do that make you so upset? It's pretty hip hypocritical from a group that cites freedom of speech to put up anti-Christian billboards all over American highways. They do that. But this morning, we would like to remind anyone who is listening, yeah, in this country and around the world, there is a thing called Christmas. The Christmas of which I speak of is not chestnuts roasting on the open fire. It's not Jack Frost nipping at your nose. It's not embodied in Santa Claus, reindeer, evergreen trees, or shopping sprees. This Christmas could never be commercialized. It doesn't belong exclusively to children, and it can never lose its spirit or its joy. It is neither wrapped in myth nor veiled in mystery. The Christmas of which I speak is not about a miracle on 34th Street. It's about a miracle in Bethlehem. And it celebrates the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that celebration comes all over the world. The French know Christmas as Noel. The Spanish-speaking would call it Navidad. The Italians say Natale. All of these words simply mean what? Birthday. Birthday of who? It's worldwide. Everybody knows it. If you don't believe it, we're in 2023, are we? 2022. That's where we are. How could it be? What are we marking? 2022 from what? From the birth of Jesus. Wake up. Don't be silly. The birth of Jesus was a promise God made and kept. He promised that 750 years before the actual event. Turn with me in your Bibles or up there on PowerPoint and let's stand together as we read Isaiah chapter 9. I'll read it with you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, 6, and 7. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it 
and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord shall perform this. Thank you. The fact of Jesus' birth and the fact that he lived on this planet is not refutable. I mean, it's irrefutable. Nobody can come along and say that Jesus wasn't an historic figure. That's a given already. You have to be an absolutely radical atheist and cynic to believe that Jesus is an historic figure. We're past that. When I was a kid, that was an issue. So many people said, well, Jesus wasn't historic. We were able to get past that through archaeology. There was a renowned Jewish historian, you may have heard his name, Josephus. He lived around 90 AD, not long after Jesus' death. And here's what he wrote, quote, Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles, and the tribe of Christians so named for him are not extinct at this date. But what has the birth of Jesus meant to Christians for 2,000 years? And I want to submit to you that it's his names. It's what his names mean. And I want to share some of those names, five to be precise, that were found in our text in Isaiah chapter 9. So name number one, Isaiah 9, 6, names Jesus wonderful. Now you have your, your sheet in your, in your bulletin where you can write these things down and it helps get it into your, from your eye gate into your head. His name is wonderful, the Bible says. Something wonderful is defined as that which arouses wonder. You say, okay, but what does that mean? Well, wonder is to marvel. Its, syn its synonyms are to be surprised, to be startled, to be amazed, to be fascinated, awestruck. You've often heard people say, I stand in awe. Well, we stand in awe of who Jesus is. Like most believers, when I look at nature, now, when I look at nature, I don't see the tree as where God lives. I don't see the tree as God. I don't see the eagle as God. I see God as the creator of the tree, and God the creator of the eagle, and the God created the mountain. And I don't worship the mountain, I don't worship the eagle, and I don't worship the tree. I worship the creator, and that's God. So when I look at nature and I see the sun, the moon, the seasons, the animals, other humans, I am in awe of the one who made it all. Are you? <coughs> I'm continually surprised at the handiwork of designer creator God. As I peer into the sky, I see these words affirmed. Psalm 19.1. It says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, that vast expanse out there, shows his handiwork. This was created. What about these people who study life and the universe? Do they stand in awe of this and see creator God behind it? Many people are unaware that there are so many scientists now willing to speak out about what they have found in life studies that makes them believe that this universe was actually designed that there was more to it than an accident. In fact, an accident is impossible to explain how the universe is what it is, and this earth also. Most people are unaware that there are a number of such scientists. For example, there is a renowned um, nanoscientist named James Tour, and he writes this, only a rookie 
who knows nothing about science, would say science takes away from faith. If you really study science, it will bring you closer to God. Now, this is a renowned scientist. This is no joke. This is no, no guy we just picked up off the street and he gave us his opinion. This is a guy who studies these things. In his book, Is Atheism Dead?, which I re recommend to everybody, Eric Metaxas writes this, these words on pages 55 and, six, and 56. Quote, the more science has discovered about the formation of our universe, the more we have come to see the universe as a whole bears evidence of fine-tuning read design. It's been designed like these screens have been designed, like the PowerPoint has been designed, like the work that goes into, into your surgery, all the stuff that goes on there. There's a design behind all of these things. The most amazing machines were designed by somebody. We don't look at the most amazing machines you can possibly imagine and say, ooh, what an accident. You'd have to be out of your mind to say that. We look at a painting and we don't say, oh, that painting just appeared like that. Took millions of years, but there it is. I mean, you'd have to be a little over the top, way beyond your skis. What about atheists? Well, finally, in a moment, back in 1988, very, very famous uh, atheist named Stephen Hawkins, probably one of the most renowned of all the atheists, he wrote a book entitled A Brief History of Time. And this is what he writes on page 126. Listen carefully. If the overall density of the universe were changed by even, look at that number, 0.0000000001, that's 11 zeros. If it, 11 zeros percent, if it was changed by that minute number, no stars or galaxies could be formed. He later went on to say, quote, it would be very difficult to explain why the universe would have begun in just this way, except as an act of God who created to, who, who intended to create beings like us. In other words, it would be impossible for there to be life on this planet if it wasn't designed to exacting standards. It couldn't possibly be inhabited by accident. You're not created by accident. You're not here by accident. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Humanity is here because God intended it to be here. Amen, somebody. The very orderliness and design of the universe speaks to God's majesty and wisdom. Psalm 147.5 says this, Great is our Lord of great power. His understanding is infinite. We don't get it because we are finite. These brains can't wrap around how God has done all this. We find ways to disregard how he does it. But when you are honest and objective and you're weighing the facts and the evidence, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from the fact that our God is wonderful. Amen? There are thousands of believing scientists around the world today who are kept in the shadows because of their biblical faith. They don't want them to speak. You know that's all about. You see it all the time. Name number two. Isaiah 9-6 calls Jesus counselor. Counselor. A counselor is defined as one who gives advice, who instructs, prescribes, exhorts, directs, guides, warns, cautions, steers, instructs, advocates, and encourages. 
and listens to. And that listen should be the biggest part. Jesus is the supreme counselor to the believer. And why not? Who knows you better than the one who designed and created you? God knows you better than you know yourself. God accepts you perhaps better than you accept yourself. When you're covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you're in a very wonderful place in God's family. God doesn't look down and see your sin. He looks down and sees the righteousness of Jesus. Nahum 1.7 says this, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the days of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. He knows you. When you were in the womb, God, God knew you, and he loved you. And he wanted you to come from that and walk according to his purpose for your life. He wanted you to walk in his plan for your life. He's the God who knows your secret self. And everybody in this room has a secret self. Things that we would never want anybody to know about us. He's the God who knows that. And he's the God who can say to you, I know why you're crying. I know how much it hurts. People try to understand how much things hurt us. A, a word that's said, a deed that's done, the things that cut to the heart. But God knows why you're crying, and he knows how much you hurt. He knows the source of your pain. He knows why you're afraid. He knows why you're confused. He knows why you're lonely. And what he has to say to you is, I'm here for you. I care. I want to go through this journey with you. I don't want to abandon you. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you confused. I don't want to leave you frightened. I don't want to leave you alone. I don't want to leave you hurting. I just want to come alongside of you. But he comes alongside in a way that nobody else in the universe can. He's, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, he's coming and working at you from the inside out. I may come along and give you a hug. I may pray with you, but I'm doing all this from out here. But the Holy Spirit is doing all that from in here. So don't forget, You've got the Holy Spirit alive and living in you who keeps God's promises to never leave you and never forsake you. The tools to navigate the, navigate the roughest seas, the bitterest disappointments, and pockmarked roads of life are found in God's How to Rescue book. What book is that? That's this book, the Bible. You want help? Dig. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no counsel, the people fall. When you're not being counseled by God's word, you're on dangerous ground. Life cannot deal you a death blood. Life cannot deal you a death blow. When crises, doubts, and fears come upon you, who do you call? You call the best counselor in the universe, the Christ of Christmas, Jesus. Name number three. Isaiah 9, 6 names Jesus the mighty God. Well, right there says a lot, huh? That Jesus is God in the flesh. Why would the all-powerful God become a powerless, helpless, totally dependent infant? Have you ever wondered? Somebody changed Jesus' diapers. And the reason that that was allowed to happen was because he wanted to be one with us. He had to become one of us. In order to be one with us, he had to become one of us. So that Jesus could look you in the eye 
and say, I've gone through all this junk you're going through. There's nothing that you or I have ever experienced that he hasn't gone through in some way. And he's exposed himself to that for, your, for you. So that when you come to him and say, God, I'm sure nobody in my family understands what I'm going through. And you turn to him and say, but I know you do. What does that do for you? How does that reality strike your heart? Does it just go over your head and in one ear and out the other? Or does it stop long enough to make an impact on what you're experiencing at that moment? He cares enough to have become one of us so he could be one with us. In order to confront us in our pain, he had to experience pain. In order to dry our tears, he had to shed his own tears. And again, I pointed it out to you, the shortest verse in the Bible, in John, Jesus wept. That doesn't just mean tears in the eyes. When you weep, it's much greater than crying. It's like everything inside of you is coming out, almost like you're giving it all up. Someone wrote, Christ uncrowned himself to crown us and to put off his robes, to put on our rags, and came down from heaven to, to keep us from hell. He fasted 40 days that he might feast with us throughout eternity. He came from heaven to earth that he might send us from earth to heaven. What a wonderful Savior. What a mighty counselor. What a mighty God. Name number four, verse six, the everlasting Father. Jesus said in John 10, three, I and my Father are one. In a culture which attempts to minimize the role of father, the development of, health, to the, the development of healthy children. In a day when children give birth to children, and some men take absolutely no responsibility and no role for the lives of the children they fathered. There is a father who cares. Hebrews 12.2, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It is he who has paid the price of our salvation with his life and blood on the cross. That sacrifice makes it possible for you and me to have a relationship with God the Father, who will never leave us, who will never abandon us, and will always be there for us. John 14.6, Jesus said, you know it well, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no man comes on to the Father but by me. The only path to a personal relationship with, Jesus, with Father God is through Jesus the Son. That's the only way to get to God. Name number five, Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus is named the Prince of Peace. Billy Graham said Christ alone can bring everlasting peace, Peace with God, peace among men and nations, and peace within our hearts. And this is a story I've told probably every year because I love it, and people tell me after I got finished telling it that they really appreciate it too. And it's one that you know. It's called The Christmas Truce. The story has been told in a variety of ways, but this is the research version that appeared in newspapers nationwide on December 25th, 1994 from the Associated Press, Dateline, London. Quote, 80 years ago, on the first Christmas day of World War I, British and German troops put down their guns and celebrated peacefully together in the no man's land between the trenches. In some places, festivities began when German troops lit candles on Christmas trees, on their pa parapets, so the British sentries a few hundred yards away could see them. Elsewhere, the British acted first, starting bonfires 
and letting off rockets. <clears throat> Private Oswald Tilly of the London Rifle Brigade wrote his parents, quote, just you think that there we were eating our turkey. I was talking and shaking hands with the very men I was trying to kill a few hours earlier. It's astonishing. Both armies had received lots of comforts from home and felt generous and well-disposed toward their enemies in the first winter of the war before the vast battles of attrition began in 1915, eventually claiming 10 million lives. Along the, all along the line that Christmas day, soldiers found their enemies were much like them and began asking why they should be killing each other. The generals were shocked High command diaries and statements expressed anxiety that if this sort of thing spread, it would sap the troops' will to fight. The soldiers in khaki and gray sang carols to each other, exchanged gifts, jam, sausage, chocolate, traded names and addresses, and played soccer between the shell holes and barbed wire. They even paid mutual trench visits. This day is called the most famous truce in military history by British producer Malcolm Brown. Jesus, the author of peace. Jesus, the one who brings peace. St. Francis of Assisi said, Lord, make me, and this is a wonderful prayer, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Not so much to be understood as to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born to eternal life. Yes, America, there is a Christmas. So let's not spend Christmas, let's not observe Christmas, let's keep Christmas. And the Christ of Christmas who is Jesus in our hearts, that we may be kept in his hope. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. And that's my prayer for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we approach each week the Christmas time, remembrances. I pray that we would not be so busy that we would forget that that babe will soon grow up to face a cross and a grave and death. So bless our time. Thank you for allowing us to be together this morning. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.